welcome. You're listening to IASA's Additional Coverage, podcast number 11. I'm your host, Tim Hicks, and joining me for today's additional coverage, I'm pleased to welcome Tip Tipton. Hello. Uh, as I said, my name is Tip Tipton. I am the head of accounting policy at Thrivent. I'm also the co-chair of the Interested Parties Blanks Working Group. What that really means is that I represent industry when the Blanks Working Group exposes items. So I can share industry's insights and hopefully support what Blanks is doing or make some recommendations. And that really helps us for today. Today is the first of three consecutive episodes where we're going to talk about some important regulatory changes that are happening. But first, I would like to stop and recognize the support received from IASA's member companies and volunteers. IASA is the voice of the insurance industry. If your company is not already a member, I encourage you to consider all the benefits that come with membership in IASA. Find out more at IASA.org. Well, Tip, thanks for being with us. You know, if there's one thing that's consistent in the insurance industry, it's the fact that statutory regulations are always changing. But there are some uh, important upcoming changes that I know you really want to get out in front of our listening audience. We're recording this now on Friday, September 9th, and we just got word yesterday that proposed revisions to the current life insurance page or the state page for life fraternal and health insurers was withdrawn and a new set of revisions was released for exposure. What is it that the Blanks Working Group is trying to accomplish? Well, this particular item uh, in the past has really been referred to as life insurance page. And some people may think, what is a life insurance page? I would say 99% of the industry refers to the state page. And with this original exposure, which was 2021-18BWG, which was exposed last year, they were trying to provide consistency uh, between the state page and the recently modified analysis of operations by lines of business, which began in 2019. This was generated by the Financial Stability Task Force to get more granularity for data that the regulators could analyze. Instead of maybe just going, let's say, by life, annuity, or health, what they wanted to do is see, I'd like more information on maybe term, whole life, UL. And so as a result, that began the ball rolling. So in 2019, those changes were made. Since that point in time, several other schedules have also changed. But in this particular instance, the state page is now going to be reflecting all the new granularity by lines of business. With the new exposure, 2022-19BWG, which is based on several months of collaboration between interested parties, state insurance regulators, and NAC staff, we believe we have a solid product that, in fact, will be supported not only by the regulators, but also by industry. Okay. Well, so you're saying there's going to be a lot more granularity. How granular is it going to get? And how is this increased granularity going to help? Good question, Tim. And so in the past, what the state page has reflected is, for instance, you have ordinary, credit life, group, industrial. Now it's going to have, I would refer to it as more common language. So now you've got whole, 
term indexed universal variable product on the life side on annuities you have fixed indexed variable with guarantees and so these are more meaningful to the life insurance regulators such that they can pull their state page for a particular insurer and look at which products that are active they may be increasing or they could be decreasing in sales and so they want to get a sense of a little more granularity for their purpose of regulation. So as our interested parties representative, what are the things you kind of had to, you know, uh, rope them in or pull them back on? Anything <laughs> in particular? So as I mentioned before, this was originally exposed last year. It was originally exposed as three pages. Now let's step back and put a little context into it. Currently today, the state page, which actually today is referred to as the life insurance page, or titled that way. As part of these changes, we're actually going to put the word state page on the top so we can actually know what it's being referred to. But in the past, this particular page was portrait, one page. When the exposure came out, it was three pages landscape. So it tripled in size originally. Wow. And then we started talking. Uh, yeah, you could say that. There were some other words and we, we would refer to it as. <laughs> yeah. But what we found out is that it was different formats. And we felt that was a little confusing. So then we started on our journey for several months, meeting biweekly. And what we came up with was let's have a consistent format. We ended up actually getting rid of some of the data which was good because we felt it was redundant. And now we have a product that we feel is understandable and easier to read. So we feel that as a result of collaborating with NEC staff and the insurance regulators, that we have a, a much better product that makes more sense and is also consistent with other schedules and exhibits within the annual statement. Okay. Uh, this proposal is now out there. Uh, there's a public comment period that ends on October the 14th, right? That's correct. When would, when would these changes actually go into effect? Good question. So when the original exposure came out, it was annual 2023. Now, let's step back and understand that effective date. So it may be annual 2023, referring to the annual statement, which is filed in uh, 2023. However, a lot of the information being required in the new state page is from the income statement. Well, when does the income statement data start? At the beginning of the year. January. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so in essence, this is going to be required almost as of January 1st. Now, the report itself isn't filed until the end of the year, but the data needs to be available in the various admin systems. Therein also lies another challenge. The feedback we received from various types of insurers was that if you have multiple administrative systems, you've got to go to all these systems to gather this data, aggregate it, and then report it. Now, what we've learned is that it's the bigger insurers that might be more challenged with this particular implementation, or some of the smaller insurers, which have maybe just one or two admin systems, might find this not as punitive. So I guess we'll find out as we go through the comment period, which you highlighted is Friday, October 14th. And then once they address those comments, uh, the Blanks Working Group will address it in their next meeting, which is on November 17th. Yeah, I can see how the larger companies would be more affected by these. If somebody wanted to 
get involved and provide some comments. What's the best way that our concerned listeners could make their concerns heard during the comment period? Sure. No, that's a great question because we're always open to different perspectives and looking at a particular exposure to say, oh, we didn't think about it that way. So everybody looks at things through a different lens. One way is you can contact me at tip.tipton at thrivent.com and I can set you up with uh, communications to get you involved in what they call the interested parties communications, which is very important. Or you can send me your comments directly. A couple different ways. You have Keith Bell at Travelers who leads the interested parties group. You also have Mary Caswell at the NEIC who also sends out information to interested people. So I would encourage people to get involved. And as Tim mentioned earlier, there will be additional podcasts talking about what I would consider significant changes coming in the near future. And I think it's important to always stay on top of these things because you don't want to get information from the NAC and go, why did this schedule change? And do we even have that information? So that's why it's always important to, to stay on top of the changes that especially coming from the annual statement reporting blank. Couldn't agree more. So let's stick with uh, today's topic on the state pages. Are there specific things that health, life, or fraternal carriers need to be doing right now to get ready for these changes? Well, that's a really good question because I will say internally at my company, we've already started trying to develop this information in the new format to see as of, let's say, 1231 2021, will the existing data fit into this new structure? And so I would suggest looking at the exposure, understanding if your current data structure can support this reporting format. As a result, you'll have the opportunity not only to evaluate any concerns you may have, but you also can identify any items that you need to work on internally. So definitely want to stay on top of this. Now, I do want to highlight, we talked about effective dates earlier. I want to elaborate a little bit more on that if we will. So we initially said annual 2023, but based on our interactions and collaborations, we actually now have a split annual 2023 and annual 2024 effective date. So what does that mean? Yeah. What it means is because of our collaboration, and the feedback we received from industry, they said, you know, this is significant data. This is going to be an additional effort on our IT resources. And so we took some interim steps to allow industry, when they're completing the state page for 2023, to take some shortcuts. But it's only a one-year shortcut. And so the best way I can describe it is if you look at the exposure, is you go in through and they highlight certain things that will allow you to aggregate certain data, but then you will have to break it out the following year. And so I'm not going to go into all that because we don't want this podcast to go for another hour. <laughs> it's what you could do. So I just want to highlight that that split effective date uh, because we think it is, it's a benefit to industry. But at the same time, if you have the opportunity and you can complete it as requested for 23, that's just going to save you some time on the back end. Sure. But if uh, if that extra time is needed, then it kind of allows them to gradually roll it in, right? Exactly. That's a great point. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, good. You know, having a a technical accounting expert who is so involved in the process of representing industry, sitting here talking with me, man, that's a real win in my books. And I want to thank you for sharing your knowledge with us today, Tim. That is all the time that we have for today's podcast. But Tim, if our listeners would like to follow up with you or chime in on the the comments during the comment period, can you throw us that uh, email address once again, please? Sure. It's tip dot tipton at thrivent.com thrivent is spelled t-h-r-i-v-e-n-t and we look forward to your comments and input perfect and if you have any comments about the show or any show suggestions i'm always happy to hear those you can email me at tim.hicks at fisglobal.com now be sure to join us next time because in our next episode tip is going to join me again to discuss more upcoming regulatory changes. You're not going to want to miss it. Until then, I'm Tim Hicks with today's guest, Tip Tipton. Have a great day. And if you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to follow or subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss a new episode when it comes out. Be sure you let your colleagues and friends know about the show. And one more thing, you can help us by rating and reviewing the show as well. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.